Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We have to, you know, make sure that um, justice is served, uh, justice is done. Uh, Dante Wright, you know, deserves that. His family deserves that. And, you know, I'm appreciative of, of uh, the officer, uh, you know, stepping down and uh, saying that, you know, she felt that was the right thing to do, uh, right thing to do for, for the community. And, uh, you know, I couldn't agree more. So the officer that uh, thought she was tasing Mr. Wright, but actually had her gun and shot him dead, resigned. Um, I guess you could make the argument that if you can't be trained to know the difference in the heat of the moment, you shouldn't be a policeman. That seems like a pretty clear test of that. Yeah, and I just think going forward, she thought, as she said in her resignation letter, it just wouldn't do anybody any good for me to still be on the force. So the police chief also resigned because a lot of pressure, and they didn't like the answers he gave in the press conference the day before from a variety of activists and reporters? Yeah, some uh, activists posing as reporters, which is an interesting development. And and, and here, here's how that whole thing works, too. I found this fascinating. So the police chief does a press conference when he releases the video. I think releasing that video right away was a great idea. I, I wish I've been saying this for years. Get those videos out earlier. God dang it. How many times have we argued about the particulars of one of these shootings? And then the video finally comes out at the trial or months later. And, you know, it backs up the police officer's story, or it shows us a different angle. And it turns out it wasn't clearly racially motivated. It wasn't white men who've had a bad day murdering young black men, like LeBron James says. Right. Um, Why do you let the narrative build over the course of weeks or months? I don't know. So he got it out right away, then faced a whole bunch of really loaded questions from activists and activists pretending to be reporters and left-leaning reporters. So then yesterday... The day he stepped down, they decided to not allow the press in for their their information gathering. But because of the way cable news channels cover news right now, MSNBC and CNN went wall to wall out on the street with all those same activists getting to say whatever they wanted with no pushback from the police chief at all. Right. So I don't think that's a win to kick him out of the room. Now they just get go out on the street and MSNBC is going to give them you know, as many hours as they want to say all kinds of things that may or may not be true. Right. And so speaking of things situation. that may or may not be true, the information on the warrant that was out uh, on Mr. Wright is absolutely relevant. It is not an excuse. No. It does no. not change the fact that he should not have been shot no. in the way he was, but it is a, a material piece of information. At the very least, it's not fair for... His mom, well, his mom can say what it, you know, that's a tough situation. Your son just got shot dead and he shouldn't have been. Um, But the press should at least throw in a sentence or two about the fact that that the guy was involved, allegedly, in an armed robbery. And so the, the police pull him over with expired tags. You know, you run the tags, it comes up, there's a warrant for his arrest. Oh, geez, the guy was involved in an armed robbery. An armed robbery, that's the kind of guy that has or at least has had access to a gun before. And then and is he, willing to use it in the commission of a crime. And then when he jumps back into his car, you got you would, you and in your mind think, is he jump? Is he going for the same gun he used in the armed robbery? I don't know. 
Um, so the narrative that they pulled him over for having a, uh, what do you call it, deodorizer thing on his uh, mirror and then just roughed him up because he was a black guy is a lie. It's a complete lie. And as you have to understand, we pay cops to confront armed robbers in the wild, and those armed robbers sometimes resist and jump into their car to do something. That is not the sort of thing you can Monday morning quarterback from CNN's newsroom and say, look at those bad, bad cops. I uh, Is it really as hard as F. Scott Fitzgerald claimed to hold two thoughts in your mind at the same time? It doesn't seem like it's that hard. Well, that's because you can. I'm not a genius either. Trust me. If you mm. hung around me a while, it'd be pretty obvious. Sean, any Yummy. Second that. Sean seconds it. And Michael's voted also, so it's pretty clear. Um, And the motion passes. She shouldn't have shot the guy. He didn't deserve to be shot. It's a tragedy. And they had every right to want to arrest him and not let him get away because he allegedly participated in an armed robbery. Correct. And you can't just let somebody participate in an armed robbery drive off if they decide to get back in the car and decide, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to stay, I'm leaving. That's not the way it works. The fact that the officer thought she was tasing him and shot him is tragic, it's horrible, it's a head-scratcher, it's terrible. On the other hand, the idea that if you were just to spell it out in every single word I'm about to say, every syllable is factually verifiable. The police pulled over a known or a suspected armed robber. He resisted arrest, and he ended up getting shot. Is anybody shocked by that scenario? No, that's what that's what they should have said on CBS News as I was listening this morning. Instead of was shot dead by a police officer when he was pulled over for having expired tags. They just left it there. So he pulled a gun on a woman who he knew to have cash. He demanded the cash, pointed the gun at her, and when she refused to give it, he allegedly choked the woman while trying to pull the cash out from her clothing where she had tucked it away. She tried to pry herself loose, started to kneel down and scream. She told authorities that she allegedly heard the friend of Wright tell her to give the money to Wright, who was yelling at her to stop screaming. Um, etc. Give me the money, we will leave. He told her, give me the money, we will go. He tried to choke her a second time, tried to take her money, uh, and on it went. They finally did get the money. I'm sorry, they left the scene without the money. The woman later identified both fellas who she had uh, been partying with via photo lineups. Uh, Wright was arrested and later released on $100,000 bail. 60 people arrested last night in that area where they are protesting by throwing rocks at cops and smashing up buildings and destroying and businesses. liquor stores. Um, 60 people arrested again. That's a lot of people arrested. Yeah, uh, well, they have to, and they had better do that. And continuing to run quotes on the news all day long from people saying they're hunting black men out here. Okay, they're, they're hunting black men that have an, uh, a warrant out for their arrest. I know that. And fight the cops. Members of Antifa have identified themselves. They have arrived on the scene in Brooklyn Center. The idea that it's local folks pissed off, maybe mistakenly, maybe righteously, we can argue about that. But local folks get to protest. They don't get to empty liquor stores, but they get to protest. That has now officially, as it always does, within two to three days, been replaced by Marxist professional agitators, Antifa, people who just want free stuff. I mean, how many free pairs of expensive uh, gym shoes? Tennis shoes, basketball shoes, 
Republicans uh, have been looted from Foot Locker, which uh, ironically gave $200, I'm sorry, $200, $200 million to Black Lives Matter, and now they get looted every time there's a, you know, a riot. But it's officially the pros are now in town, and they got a whoop ass in uh, Brooklyn Center, or they are going to lose their city. So, uh, breaking news, charging decision expected today in the right case. So, what they're going to charge that police officer with, we will know maybe while we're on the air. Um, and keep in mind that sometimes they will overcharge to bring the peace, and they will quietly drop those charges weeks down the line. Yeah. Maybe I'm fooling myself, but I feel like if my own son was in that very situation, obviously I would be heartbroken and sad, but I would understand that a lot of that was on him. Yeah, well, that's because you your conception of the world is you have to be reasonable, logical. It's about facts. It's about, you know, well, reason. And there are a lot of people, and they're encouraged by the current uh, critical race theory types, to say, no, reason is a, is a white supremacist construct. Rationalism is a, that's 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 oppression. Your truth, speak your truth. In fact, I have a piece from the USA Today. I've been holding on it forever, explaining that that shooting of the Asian gals was a hate crime because people think it's a hate crime, and that proves it's true. That's their truth. It is a hate crime. That's a bizarre way to look at the world. So we've got this giant infrastructure bill that's going through. Sometimes it's infrastructure, sometimes it's about jobs, depends on the day. It's just a huge spending package. But we do all agree that infrastructure includes roads. What do Americans think of U.S. roads? We've got a poll on that. What John Boehner says about Nancy Pelosi, which I agree with, which I thought was kind of shocking as I've started to read his book. That's the former Speaker of the House for the Republicans. Good morning. And uh, later this hour, Mike Lines to talk about withdrawing from Afghanistan. Uh, Biden uh, getting in Putin's face a little bit, uh, supposedly. What Iran's up to, what China's up to, all that stuff. Oh, man. Oh, boy. There is a lot brewing, man. I'd say. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Florida woman was sentenced last week to 30 days in jail after she coughed on another customer last year in a Pier 1 home furnishing store. On the plus side, her cell looks incredible. (laughs) Pier 1. For coughing on somebody that was like trying to spread uh, COVID, is that what that was? Well, just it, it's usually somebody without a mask who somebody hassles and they decide to just really show them by coughing on them. Coronavirus! That's right, Cardi B. We are going to have Mike Lyons, military analyst, on later this hour to talk about China, Russia, Iran, the state of the world right now. Yeah. More on that later. Also, I want to talk about reading John Boehner's book. He's the uh, He was the Speaker of the House for the Republicans for a while and a big deal. And what his biggest regret is is, is, is fascinating. Um, who he thinks is the best politician he's ever seen is fascinating, huh. I think, and I'm in agreement with it. Of course, it's fascinating if I agree with it. So, if I don't agree with it, it's stupid. It's a stupid opinion. <laughs> there you go. Um, infrastructure is roads, builds roads, bridges, and uh, and what do they always say? Roads, ports, bridges, ports. Airports. There you go. 
Um, and then, it, you know, if you, if you think for another... Canals, fi- you think highways, for an, byways. If you, if you think for another five seconds, you might throw in power grids and stuff like that, although that depends on whether or not it's your local energy company keeping profits and not keeping their, uh, their uh, infrastructure up or not. Right. But oh, we do all agree it's roads. I don't think it's all that other stuff, grandmother care and everything. What about that? What about like internet? Internet? What a broadband stuff you know, like that? I heard of the interesting thing. So I, I was uh, for some reason it rubs me the wrong way. The idea of uh, broadband being thrown in there, and then I hear people say, "Well, you know, rural rural areas where they don't have the high speed internet." And I read something the other day about all the satellites that uh, who's the Tesla guy? Elon Musk. That Elon Musk has put in the sky. All the satellites that he's put in the sky to try to bring fast internet to everybody. That so it's it's kind of like building the high speed railroad in California. By the time they finish that stupid high high speed railroad, we'll all be riding a hyperlink, also built by Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. By the time we get this package through and build all this broadband internet for rural America, Elon Musk will already have those people using his satellite system for high speed internet. Interesting. And I think there's a real good chance of that. Yeah, I, I do believe that internet, broadband internet service is a legit uh, infrastructure question. Definitely, but I don't yeah. want to, you know, rush to uh, come up with yesterday's technology and pay for it. Right. Um, anyway, roads. We all agree on roads, right? Rocky reviews for U.S. roads, according to a USA Today YouGov survey. Uh, asked, do you need to say whether your whether your roads in America are okay, bad, terrible, don't know, great, or good? Don't know is always fantastic. 7% <laughs> of you, I don't know. You don't have any opinion whether the roads you drive on are good or not. I don't know. When you drive down. <laughs> do you think they should be smoother, or are you amazed at how smooth they are? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the uh, plurality, that would be the biggest number, is okay at 32%. Yeah, that's uh, what I would say. They're okay. I think I'd say okay. But, of course, I haven't heard the other choices. Uh, second place was bad at 25%. I could go bad. There's a <laughs> lot. I drive on a lot of bad roads, but it's just particular to where I am. Um, yeah, you live out in East Bumble Blank. Yeah. Got about 10% say terrible, 10% say great. So the 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 the, the, the ends right there. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, if you add okay, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with okay. If you add okay, good and great, you have uh, 27, 57, 50. You have 60%. So that's pretty good, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say that's 60% reasonable. Although, are good, I, okay, or great. Let's, let's compare that with other countries around the world, though. I don't, I don't know what a realistic expectation is. I don't know either. I remember when I, I, ro- I drove all the way down to Cabo from San Diego on my motorcycle once. Uh, it's a thousand miles, and uh, that road was as pristine as any highway I've ever been on in my life. It was like it was paved yesterday. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know. I have no idea. I, Probably I, that's the highway the cartels used to move the uh, drugs to the U.S., <laughs> so I, they paved it. I saw like two cars on it in the entire thousand-mile trip, so it's not because of use that they, they'd recently paved it. I don't know. Right. Um, Interesting. While we're on the subject, I thought it was worth noting that 10% say they're terrible and 10% say they're great. That's at extremes. Did you verify any of that Twitter information you came up with yesterday, Sean? Because that was freaking fascinating. So there's a lot of good information in the article there, but I could not for the life of me figure out where the person who who tweeted that article out came up with the facts that he was sharing. Well, let's go with them anyway. Um, sure. Interesting numbers Please, from, talk a, radio. from a guy named right. Sam Amico. Only 7% of Americans use Twitter. 
That seems low to me. No. No, I think that that sounds uh, pretty reasonable. Okay. If you're including all children, because a lot of the numbers yeah. get thrown out are the percentage of adults that right. use Twitter. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Uh, this sounds very believable. Of that, only fifty two percent with a profile, or fifty two percent with a profile, never tweet. I absolutely sure. believe that. About half of people tweet; the rest just take stuff in. Yeah, a lot of people get on Twitter so they can take in news. That's mostly mm-hmm. what I do. Uh, that means all tweets come from the same three point three six percent of our population. Sounds about right. And we've heard before that there's a tiny percentage of people on Twitter that account for all the tweets. So the number for the tweets that you actually see, God, it's got to be like a half a percent of the population. Oh, yeah. Has there ever been a time in history where that small a number had so much effect on the conversation? Any time in history, any place in history. Right, right. It's a great question. And, and uh, keeping in mind that they should not have that influence. No. But a lot of politicians, we've used this phrase several times in the last year or two, a lot of p- politicians think Twitter is America. Well, I've, They see Twitter go wild and they get scared and uh, corporations do it every day. I fall into that myself. If I'm looking on Twitter and there's a whole bunch of people blasting something, I get the impression that that's the way people feel. But it's like a half a percent of the population that feels yeah. that way. Yeah. I don't that know doesn't if tell you a thing. I don't know if they're cynical or dopey or what at Coca-Cola and Delta and Nike and all those other corporations, but those those angry tweets about the Georgia laws, that's like th- four people, and well, two of them are Russian trolls. Well, was it uh, Warren, Senator Warren, who said she was misled by Twitter, or Harris, one of the two mm-hmm. that did very poorly in the election, that they were misled by, by, by the support in Twitter? Um, I want to tell you about Boehner's book, who he thinks is the best politician, among other things. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I think both sides, for the most part, want to see it just remain about the sport, not about politics. At least that's my interpretation. I, I know when I turn on a, a game, I want to watch a game. I want to watch players play and teams win and lose, come from behind. I want to watch all the important parts of the game, not what's going on outside of the game. And I think the, the general fan feels the same way. Amen to that. The great Brett Favre. The, the old gunslinger slinging some truth right there. Watch yeah. out. Woke dope, especially because usually their their opinions are half cocked. They're they're based not on facts but on narratives they saw on Twitter. That's what makes me insane. If you want to bring politics to sports, at least have like two or three sentences explanation of why you're right. Uh, Mike Lyons, next segment on uh, the state of the world: China, Russia, Iran, pulling out of Afghanistan. These are all mm. some pretty big stories. David French with a column yesterday, Are We Living in a Nine Ten World? I'll hit you with a couple of lines from that before we talk to Mike Lyons, because that's exactly what I was talking about yesterday. We're going to look back on some of this these conversations and think, wow, those were nice days when we could worry about that, huh? It wasn't war with China? I hope that doesn't happen. But... So I've started to, hey, how about that new uh, paper towel dispenser in the bathroom? Sweet, huh? Finally. Really, really dispenses the paper towels. 
Put your um, hands right under there. Just yeah, it actually works. forward. It actually works. It's not well. The other kind was the kind where they just stuff the paper towels in there, and you try to pull out one, and fifty paw come out, and they end well, up I in believe, the trash. I believe there's some sort of worldwide janitor contest where they try to cram <laughs> as many towels as they possibly can, so they're so tightly jammed in there you can't pull one out. Right? How about you leave like five less towels in there? And I'm glad it's not one of those electric Fewer, machines but. that sounds like the freaking engine on a. 747 when you turn it on that almost has to be worse for the environment in terms of using electricity than a, a paper towel to wipe my hand off right which right. reminds Plus me it gotta, spreads more disease which reminds me i got to talk about this at some point took in a great podcast the other day about what a fraud and i always suspected this what a fraud the whole recycling thing is nah. it's been a fraud forever it's a fraud right now it's a bunch of crap been lied to all these years. Make yourself feel better by separating all your crap, and then it all goes to the same garbage dump. Or, or maybe you live someplace where they use your your taxpayer money to separate it until it gets to China and goes in the same garbage dump. <laughs> oh boy! And then they burn it or shoot it into the ocean or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they have to shoot it in the ocean. No, what's <laughs> China? I was picturing China spouting it into the ocean, dumping it. I suppose would be a more appropriate word. So John Boehner was the Speaker of the House when the Republicans held the House. He was minority leader for a while, but he was the Speaker of the House for a while under Obama and was a big deal. And uh, he's got a new book out, and he says he didn't want to write the typical memoir uh, of a Washington, D.C., where you crow about and spin your accomplishes, accomplishments worrying about your legacy. And I started reading it. It's much more of a page turner than any of those books he described. Every politician writes those, and they're usually dreadfully dull. Hmm, interesting. It's already pretty interesting. Um, we'll probably interview him at some point. He's on the circuit. When he gets down to the third tier, we'll yeah. be there for him. Yeah, when he's uh, also doing interviews with uh, <laughs> birthday clowns and whatnot. Magicians. High school newspapers. <laughs> High school, High school newspapers and local access cable. A guy with a podcast and nobody knows he it exists. Exactly. Um, we'll talk to John Boehner then. And every interview he's been on, he has talked about his his uh, greatest disappointment was that he and Barack Obama did not get the grand bargain going through, which is big disappointment to, to me, too. Simpson Bowles Commission got some super heavyweights together to come up with a way to right the ship, our financial ship in the United States. There were going to be more taxes and more cuts. Everybody's going to feel pain, but we were going to get on track. And we came so close. And according to Bob Woodward's book, and according to the particulars today, um, Boehner thinks Obama backed out, and Obama says Boehner backed out, and that it didn't come together. And I don't know which is the truth, but Boehner says they had the deal done, and Obama chickened out pressure from the left. I don't know. He's a jackass. Anyway, that was uh, maybe a once in a uh, a nation's history opportunity to write the ship. It may never come again. Yeah, I remember being pretty excited about that at the time. Uh, but I look forward to reading that part of the book. Uh, early in the book, he talks about the art of real power, and he mentions something that I've always thought is true, and I thought it was interesting. He pointed out Nancy Pelosi, who he talks about her great killer instinct and everything. He said she may be the most powerful speaker of the house in my lifetime. She may be the most powerful ever and talks about how good she is. And I have always thought that as somebody on the other side, man, I wish we had somebody as good as Nancy Pelosi. She is. Good morning. She's not as sharp as she used to be, but she has been in her life so freaking good at making arguments for her side 
spinning arguments, knowing the pressure points, getting the people together to, to vote for their that's, things. That's the key thing. Even as she has divisions within her caucus, she manages to get everybody onto the floor and voting. I don't in the way she wants. I don't. I can't come up with a Republican that could hold a candle to her that's been Speaker of the House. And if Kevin McCarthy ends up Speaker of the House, with that, that trend will continue, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, but we need to talk to Mike Lines about the state of the world coming up. We still have our text line at four one five two nine five KFTC. If you have a question you'd like for Mike, we could uh, yeah, maybe throw that in. So uh, people are pushing back hard against the critical race theory narrative in some really brave and eloquent ways. It's it's wonderful to see, including some some brave, eloquent black folks. Uh, we have that for you. Uh, Las Vegas is banning grass. Grass the uh, for your yards? Yeah, yeah or like, exactly. Or like Fescue. Or like the 70s term for marijuana. No, sir. No, that's no, actually sir. legal there now, I think. Yeah, you can grow pot, but not lawn. <laughs> and some of it makes sense, actually. It's not okay. bad, but a lot of good stuff. To Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The whole idea was it's ludicrous. As far as Afghanistan withdrawal, I'm glad to see us moving out. I think a random withdrawal just because you're celebrating an anniversary is not the right decision. If we're ready to go, uh, then I'll be supportive. If we're not ready to go, I'll be making that very clear. As reaction to the announcement yesterday that we're pulling out of Afghanistan on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which seems weird. But that's just one. Oh, by, by the way, Colin Powell said yesterday, and obviously he was um, uh, Secretary of State at the beginning of the war, uh, the second war in Iraq. Uh, he say, I'd say we've done all we can do about Afghanistan. What are those troops being told they're there for? It's time to bring it to an end. That is a pretty good question. What do you tell the troops they're there for? But that's just one of the many military challenges that we've got around the world one of the one of the reasons we are leaving afghanistan i think is russia china iran other problems that we have and david french wrote a column yesterday um, asking whether or not we're living in a 9-10 moment that period of calm before the unexpected shattering 9-11 storm that we might be entering another era of great power conflict arguably unlike anything we've experienced in more than a generation i hope he's wrong but he certainly may be right. Let's talk to Mike Lyons, a military analyst, about that. Mike served the United States military in both the U.S. and Europe and Iraq uh, with great distinction. He has been an analyst for CBS, among other folks, and joins us now. Mike, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. Great to be back with you. All good. Well, thanks. It's been too long, and it's a real pleasure to talk to you. So uh, a little hypothetical here. If you were the Secretary of Defense and you were posed with uh, the situation in uh, on the Ukrainian border with Putin, You've got China acting up. Iran is a problem as usual. Um, Afghanistan. Which meeting do you schedule first in the morning to make sure everybody's on the same page? Which feels the most urgent to you? I think it's China, only because they have uh, the most amount of resources right now that are focused in all the different facets of warfare, and cyber, as well as uh, things on the ground in Hong Kong, Taiwan, and, and places, and what's what's happening there, and events to take place in China with the Olympics coming up. So I, th- I think um, that is clearly the number one. Now, tactically 
on, on the ground, what's happening in Russia is not good either uh, with Ukraine. Um, but I think that's going to be a regional conflict. One of the advantages the United States has right now is a president that's just not an interventionalist. So, you know, you guys are talking about David French about a nine ten moment. That might be the case. But the question is whether or not we're attacked on the homeland. I don't think that'll happen. The question is, will be posed as to whether we'll get involved, will NATO get involved if something happens in Ukraine and Russia. But, but the, the, the bottom line is China is still the greatest threat that we still have strategically as a emerging power. Boy, where do we start? Um, China, if China were to move on Taiwan in some manner, do we honor our agreement we've had since 1979? Do we have to? Can we? Yeah, it's naval power will will rule the day there. And China thinks that they can actually hold their own in 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 any kind of naval engagement with us based on how they've built their navy. Um, I think I wouldn't call it a 9-10 moment. I'd call it maybe a 1938-39 moment where... At that point in the time, the world thought that the French army was the greatest in the world, and no one thought anything about the Germans. Um, you know, the Chinese are, if you look at their commercials, you look at what they're advertising, what they do, they get up every day, and they think they're going to have a war with someone. And so if they're going to do that, they're not going to be afraid to go after us with, um, you know, even with our naval resources there. So it's going to take our allies, the Australians and others within the region, the Japanese. But uh, the bottom line is, I think if we if we have that conflict that takes place on the sea, and our Navy is going to get tested very mightily. Oh, yeah, well, especially because, and I know you know this better than we do, but it's a lot easier to defend a position than to retake it. And, and Taiwan is to China like Martha's Vineyard is to the United States. I mean, it's, it's right. right off their coast. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be a situation potentially like destroying it to save it, which doesn't, you know, that's again Korean War mentality as well. So um, it's just it's hard to say. There's not, you know, there as, an, as a ground guy though, there's no other opposing force that exists inside of Taiwan. So it, it would be taken very simply. The question is, you know, what happens then? What do the countries of the world do then? I I, I think nothing. I think there's certain. They're sort of fait accompli's that are out there right now, and that's one. The second one is probably the Donbass region of Ukraine, and it's going to get closer to Russia. We know that they already control Crimea, so I think these are all fait accompli's whether or not the world wants to get involved. And, and again, Joe Biden is not an interventionist, so I don't see him getting involved. Wow. Well, okay. I was just going to ask before we get back into specifics. Let's let's do a little. Uh, you're, you're teaching a college class, and and the topic today is mutual defense agreements or that sort of thing. We have the treaty with uh, Taiwan. We have uh, a treaty through NATO with Ukraine. Uh, are those things uh, worth the parchment they're written on, really? Well, they were when they were signed, you know, some of them 30 years ago and beyond. But today, they've not been updated. We haven't updated our strategic limitations trees and, and, and the like. They've all expired. And uh, the countries that sign those treaties aren't the same as they were today. The only one really is is the United States. Um, NATO would have to mobilize pretty significantly if it wanted to go in and defend Ukraine. I don't think it's a good idea to put NATO anywhere near Ukraine. Um, that's right on the border of Russia. I mean, we can't have... Admission into NATO being everybody except Russia. That's just not going to work. That's going to, that's the same reason how World War One started, where history repeats itself all over again. So I, I think that, um, while that was a great idea back in the nineties, uh, as they split away from the old Soviet Union, the bottom line is, uh, Russia can pretty much have its way in Ukraine. We all know that. 
Everybody knows that. And if anything, and I think Putin knows that Joe Biden is not an interventionist, which is why he's been moving towards what he's doing in Ukraine right now. Well, that's why I really wanted to have you on is because you can speak to and have in the past on whether or not we can do something, though, whether or not we should, you know, falls by the wayside. If someone like you says we can't, (laughs) the world can't stop this from happening. So why discuss it? Right. Simulations show that there's over 400,000 Russian troops that, that are in proximity, closer in proximity of the Ukraine border, that if they decide to roll into Ukraine and even keep going further, further west, uh, they could take virtually Western Europe again in 60 hours. That's five days or whatever. I mean, whatever the math is on that. It's, it's wow. to the point where, yeah, and the only thing holding it back is U.S. nuclear weapons. And the question is whether or not we would fire them because then, then we start, we open up that Pandora's sure. box. And so we really don't have that that uh, strategic deterrence at the tactical level. We have it at the strategic level. We have it, you know, in in, in space and destroying each other's countries. But are, are we willing to give up uh, an East Coast city just to protect Ukraine? Uh, and I'm not I'm not sure we're going to be willing to do that. Military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Mike, so you're saying Russia could sweep across Europe? I mean, take Poland and Romania, Slovakia, whatever, and and head toward Germany in in the space of five days? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the simulation. And they, they would do it with Russian forces plus the private military companies, the Wagner groups, the ones that the little green men, so to speak, that they'd, they'd have mobilized. Now, whether they could hold it, you know, again, we create a World War II scenario where just like the Germans go into Russia and then they get beat back. They'd eventually be beaten back and it would be tremendous destruction. Millions and millions of people are killed. They couldn't hold it, but they can sure create tremendous amount of destruction there. That's for sure. Do you think do you think Putin has the slightest interest in anything like that? He's got interest in Ukraine. I think that um, his desire is to return that in his lifetime. Right. So he's now elected till 2036. And so he's got then We've got to think that the world believes that Russia is a declining power. But as soon as the Germans and the Russians connect that gas pipeline together and the the Germans completely relying on Russia, I I, I just don't that doesn't fall into place for me as well. They're not a declining power. They have nuclear weapons as well. They they can threaten the United States. I think he's going to want to at least get Ukraine back and put Ukraine back in what he calls uh, the former Soviet Union. Well, back to China, which is a similar sort of argument. And, you know, Chinese officials at some level may hear this very interview where they hear somebody like you say, it's fait accompli, you know, it, it, it more or less wouldn't be worth it for us to try to stop China from taking Taiwan. Because uh, that's right. going to be the calculation on their part, right? Whether or not we're willing well, to, right. to, to really go to war over it. And I don't think we probably are. We're not. And, and it would cement China's role as they want to be the preeminent sure. power in the Pacific. Boy, what, is the, today, what does the world look like the day after China's taken Taiwan and we say to Taiwan, sorry, I know we have an agreement to, you know, to protect you, but we're just we're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it then a lot of other uh, of our alliances, a lot of other things get called into question. I think um, I, I do believe already some of our this is not Donald Trump's fault, but some of our alliances, NATO, for example, are tired of the United States politics anyway. They're, they're looking at the fact that things change every four years. I mean, let's look at why we're coming out of Afghanistan. Uh, you know, Trump, let's face it, he, he wanted to do this before. The military wouldn't let him do it. He set the date of May 1st. He thought he was going to be president. He thought it was going to happen. What does Biden do? He basically keeps the same plan. Again, showing me he's not an interventionist. Keeps the same plan. He just puts it on a 9-11 anniversary, which, again, I think is dumb as well because there's too many other things going on that day. 
But um, the bottom line is we're coming out of Afghanistan, so we're going to find out what happens then. We'll see who's going to fill that vacuum. Well, final question for me, and this is speculation, obviously, but we understand that. What do you figure the chances are that we're exchanging ordinance with a nation state uh, anytime soon, as opposed to a non-governmental terrorist organization or something like that, which is going on as we speak? Many Americans forget that we're in dozens of countries, but a state act. Right. I don't, I don't think it's for a while. I think if anything happens first, sequentially, Russia goes first into Ukraine before China does anything into Taiwan. Um, although we've got more of a chance diplomatically to try to, to, to fend off what's going to happen in China. I, I think that's going to happen first. And if that does happen, we, we do nothing. Now, we've already been warned. We try, we're moving ships into the Black Sea. We're trying to, again, project our power there. It's not going to matter because even if even if uh, we get them there, we're, they're still going to do what they're going to do. Mike Lyons, military analyst. Mike, fabulous as always. Yeah, we really appreciate really it. Good. Great to talk to you. Great guy. Thanks for having me. Thanks. It's so weird in our current world of media to talk to somebody who's so plain spoken about the facts. Mm-hmm. It's not what he wants at all. I guarantee you he doesn't want this reality, but it's the freaking reality. So he just lays it out as this is what is. And it's not through some sort of ridiculous, childish partisan lens either. I'm an, I don't believe America backs down from anyone, you know, is the sort of reaction you get from some yeah, quarters. Okay. What does, yeah, right. that, that does nothing to do with reality. He's saying the world can't stop Russia from doing that, short of a nuclear war. The world's not going to stop China from doing what they want to do, short of a nuclear war. They're just not. This is why presidents age like dogs, and this is why I'm grateful that we have such a vital young man in the office right now. Oh, wait a minute. That was back to partisanship. I apologize. I'll tell you what. Either one or both of those events happen over the next five, ten years. The world is a different place than it was for the past 70, by a lot. Change is the only constant, Jack. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. I mean, it's inevitable. The United States wasn't going to you know, get to do whatever it wanted, wherever it wanted, forever. But it looks like those days are over. Wow, that's sobering. Armstrong and Getty.